Welcome to the Curious Hope Podcast, where we wrestle with hard topics and hidden questions. Uh, We are wrapping up our Outside the Bubble series, and we have special guests, Nate and Stacey Tapman. You both are the Associate Regional Coordinators for Europe in the Middle East. Uh, Welcome. Thank yeah. you. Thanks yeah. for having us. Yeah. Thanks for having us. JD. Absolutely. So can you, sh- can you share with our listeners uh, just a little bit more about yourselves, about what you do, what you're going to do? Yeah. So uh, as you said, we are Nate and Stacy Tatman, um, and we are going to be the Associate Regional Coordinators for Europe and the Middle East. Uh, in that position, we are going to be based out of Madrid, Spain, and we will be working with the Church of God congregations uh, throughout Europe and the Middle East. The, we currently have about 109 churches um, in 14 different countries in that area. And so uh, with that, we're, we're co-associate uh, regional coordinators, so it's a shared responsibility um, for both of us, and uh, we're really excited, you know, as I'm sure maybe we'll be getting into, but, you know, COVID, as with everybody else, has kind of uh, upended our plans, but all that to say is we are not on the field yet. Uh, we are still trying to get to the field, and... and um, with every passing day, it just means that we are getting closer and closer to heading to Madrid, Spain. But getting very excited. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so have you always been living overseas, uh, been missionary? Uh, would you? I don't know if you'd call yourself missionaries or not. Have you always uh, been overseas or is this sort of a new development in your lives? This is a totally new development in our lives. <laughs> um, we are, we have lived in Northeast Indiana our entire lives. Um, so uh, it's definitely definitely a new adventure for us. And then um, we've actually got five kids. Um, our oldest is our only boy, and then we've got four daughters. Um, and our four daughters will be coming with us. Our oldest, our, our son, um, is married, so he'll be staying in northeast Indiana. But, but yeah, this is a, a totally new experience for us. Um, we're really excited. We do feel like... Um, you know, Nathan's um, history as a missions pastor um, working in that region in Europe and the Middle East. Um, he does have a lot of experience in that region. So it's not completely new. I've gotten to travel over there a couple of times with him for some trips and um, and meetings. So not completely foreign, but, um, but at the same time, this will be definitely our first move overseas. Yeah, and I know that when you were here visiting uh, our church, Blue Mountain Community Church, you shared a little bit about that process and how it how it came to be, you know, that calling, that urge to go overseas. Uh, would you mind sharing with our listeners also in case, case they didn't catch that message a few weeks ago? Yeah, I'll uh, hopefully I share the same thing that I did back then. <laughs> so much so much has uh, transpired over the last few weeks. It's it's hard to remember exactly what I shared, but uh yeah, we so I think it was about 3 years ago actually where we began to have initial conversations about uh what it would look like for our family to make this move from Northeast Indiana where we've spent our entire lives to Madrid, Spain. And so um you know, for me, I felt, um, I felt like where we were at in that time, three years ago, that's where we were going to be forever. Um, I think we had both kind of come to the conclusion or we had a sense that God wanted us, wanted us to establish roots in our church, uh, in our school. And Stacy was the school nurse, 
uh, for the same school that our girls um, were attending, a small Christian school. It was a job that she had for five years, and uh, I had been on staff at uh, County Line Church of God for 13 years and loved uh, everything that I did there, and Stacy loved her job as well, and and uh, so after 13 years of being on staff, 10 years as a missions pastor, the last three or four years working in church multiplication as well, um, I was not looking to make a move like this, but God used a couple of mentors, a couple of peers in my life to kind of tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, I may have a, a new assignment for you. Um, and it, it really did come out of the blue. And it took us a while, um, as Stacy shared, you know, with our uh, five kids, our oldest being married. So, um, you know, with our daughter-in-law, we have, I guess we have six family of, of eight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it took a while for us to, to talk through that, you know, what are the implications of a family of our size and at the season of life that our kids are in, you know, it, it was going to upend, um, upend not just our world, but their world as well. And, and our youngest two uh, children, our youngest two daughters, they were um, adopted from Costa Rica. Uh, they came home with us uh, four and a half years ago. So again, kind of this idea of settling in, establishing roots, um, you know, kind of staying in a local church context for a, a longer period of time, that, that seemed like it was our reality uh, at that time. I don't know if, Stacy, if you would add anything else yeah definitely I would agree and you know looking back now I I do think that um, the Lord had us there and wanted us to be well rooted uh, well established you know for um, kind of the foundation of our family but um, but yeah as he started kind of nudging us in this direction um, to consider you know this next position obviously we you know prayerfully considered what that would look like for us for our family as Nathan said and, you know, over and over again, you know, we pray for confirmation or, you know, some type of affirmation and, and over and over again, the Lord did give us that. So we're, we were super thankful that, you know, even in that process that, that he made it clear to us that this was the next step for us. And mm-hmm. I, I would and just, that, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I would say, I would just kind of add to that in that, you know, God used these two uh, men in my life and uh, kind of confirmed in Stacy's life through a, uh, a, uh, scripture passage, but it wasn't like, um, it wasn't like an audible voice or even like, you know, uh, an instantaneous kind of decision or calling, I guess that we accepted, but it was very much a a process of praying and processing and talking and seeking out mentors and people in our life and, and that sort of thing. Well, I think that's so important uh, and awesome, awesome that that's how it happened for you all because we actually, uh, just a few weeks ago, we were talking about how when God normally moves in our lives, uh, a lot of times it's things that we don't expect or things that we don't want uh, at all. Uh, but then, mm-hmm. as you know, like you said, as it takes time and as it's confirmed, you know, whether it's through scripture or through uh, mentors, then you start getting, you know, excited uh, once you do finally decide you know what okay god didn't expect this not even sure if i wanted it but yeah i'm i'm ready and then and then you know he slowly starts changing your heart to get more and more excited Uh, so what's it before i ask you a little bit more about what you want to do i i want i've I've got to ask with a family that big that's going to be a a transition what's that transition going to look like what's some things that you're looking forward to but also some things that you know you might be a little worried about 
Yeah, definitely. Um, so our, you know, we knew that our two youngest, Alaska and Emily, would be coming with us. They're in 10th grade and 6th grade, and, uh, you know, that was definitely a given. Um, we didn't know if our older daughters would be coming with us. So our oldest, Kayla, is 22, and then Aubrey is 19. Um, Kayla just graduated from college, and Aubrey is just starting, um, you know, that college experience. So, um, you know, we went into this kind of wondering what that would look like. But, you know, again, the Lord kind of set everything up for that. Um, Kayla graduated a year early from uh, university with a social work major and a, and a uh, minor in Spanish, which is perfect. And, you know, had been decided on long before we made our decisions. Um, and she really has a heart for women and children. And, and there's an organization over there in Madrid that um, she's going to be interning with. So that was wonderful. Um, Aubrey is going to be attending St. Louis University's Madrid campus. And so, and, and amazingly, that has been her plan, uh, again, before we made <laughs> our decisions. Um, wow. yeah, it was, it's pretty incredible how things came together. And, and then, um, obviously, Deleska and Emily, you know, are, will be coming with us and, um, you know, being native Spanish speakers, this is a, a great next step for them. So, you know, in the in the process, we we did consider our family. Um, we you know had a lot of good family discussions. Um, Delisk and Emily will be the only ones on our on our you know budget, our non missions budget. So um, Kayla and Aubrey, we were kind of like, okay, girls, you know, we'd love for you to come with us, but you know, we'll have to kind of, you know, figure out how you're going to find your own way. And so, um, yeah. <laughs> but even seeing how, you know, the Lord is providing in that has been really cool. So, um, but yeah, you know, we've had, um, uh, we know other families who have, um, you know, made big moves like this, um, with some larger families. So, uh, or with, you know, three or four kids. And so, um, you know, that we definitely had some questions for them. Um, we do have a, a large family for the Spanish culture. So, um, you know, that was something that we kind of talked through and, and considered as well. But, but you know, it, it really is about, you know, each detail along the way, you know, coming together at just the right time, you know, in God's perfect timing. And this has definitely been a faith building experience. And then you oh, add, and then you add COVID on top of that. Yeah. <laughs> <And> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you add all that craziness yeah. and then the transition is going to be, uh, even more difficult, you yeah. know, and more, uh, you have to be even more flexible, but that's a, uh, that's awesome. I want to get back to what you, what you mentioned at the beginning. So once you get there, uh, it, you'll be providing support. Uh, I forget the exact number of churches, but mm -hmm. you said it's like 107. Yeah. hundred, 109 churches. 109 yeah. churches. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, so that's awesome. Can you give us a little bit more detail? What, so you're going to be supporting those churches. Uh, what does that mean? What does that, what does that look like? Yeah. So it, it, it definitely mean, does not mean that Stacy and I will be supporting 109 churches <laughs> or pastoring 109 churches. And so we, it's a lot of sermons on a Sunday. Yeah, yeah. And so we want to be very clear that it's not about us and it's not about, um, you know, anything that, that we will be doing. We're, we are so happy and excited that there's already a team, um, uh, the three worlds team, uh, led by Patrick and Jamie Noctigal, uh, who I believe also has connections and is supported by blue mountain. And so we're so thankful for them and, uh, what, what they have been doing over the last 10 years, really in terms of creating a mission team, missionary team, uh, throughout that region that is coming alongside, uh, these local churches, 
uh, in a global kind of context, if you will. And so um, it, it could, you know, practically, how does that play out? Um, it, it, it looks different in every context. Um, we definitely want to come alongside churches uh, in their season or in their church life cycle. What is God doing in and through them as a, as a pastor, as a leadership team, as a church body and in their community. And so finding that out. And so uh, lots of collaborating, lots of coaching, consulting, networking, um, connecting, uh, that sort of thing. And just, you know, a note about that, um, historically, you know, especially prior to, you know, 10 years ago, um, there wasn't a lot of connection or connectivity in that region. Um, you know, pastors and congregations were kind of, you know, in their kind of like islands, you know, um, spread out throughout the region and didn't have a lot of connectivity, didn't have a lot of encouragement amongst, you know, amongst the the movement, the Church of God movement. And so um, really having a team who is focused on bringing together those connections, providing opportunities for, you know, connectivity, networking, um, you know, raising up young leaders, um, identifying young leaders in the in the church that um, that, you know, really have a heart for their communities and and for reaching um, others. Um, with the gospel, you know, has been has been a big part of what the Three Worlds team is doing as well. And that's that's a, such a great approach. Uh, Pastor Channing and I talked uh, two weeks ago uh, about that, about this sort of shifting mindset of wanting to come alongside churches mm-hmm. and aside leaders and pastors that are established. Uh, but that's not how a lot of Christ followers conceive of missions, or it's not historically how missions, you know, has been conceived of. So what, why, we talked a little bit about it with Pastor Channing, but why is it so important to have that kind of a mindset, a partnership mindset, rather than a, you know, we're coming to, you know, lead the way mindset? Why is this partnership and the supportive mindset so important? That's a great question. (laughs) And answering off the cuff, uh, I, I will, uh, you know, I may have a different answer in a week, but, uh, it, just some things that come to mind right now. Um, I think, you know, part of the problem, uh, historically when we come in as, and I'll, I'll just be very blunt, I guess, but when we come in as North Americans or as Americans, uh, with the attitude that we have all the answers, that we have things figured out, that we have resources. We're coming in from a position of power and authority. And many times not knowing the context. That and, and not it, not asking the questions, not understanding the context, not understanding what the challenges or issues are. Uh, we can do a lot of damage um, and we can uh, create unhealthy relationships and partnerships that aren't based around the gospel, that aren't based around biblical values, that aren't based around kingdom values. They're, they're based more around uh, positions of authority and authoritarian and power and control. And oftentimes what happens or what, ha- again, what has happened historically, and again, we're painting a very broad brush yeah uh, there, a lot there of are a lot of a lot of great missions yes, that have happened that over have many happened many years mm-hmm. but yeah. yeah and and so you know a lot of harm has been done um where and again just because i know the context a little bit better than other places around the world but in europe for example um it has created uh dependency um 
on the unite the church in the U.S. and Christians in the U.S. And so, I mean, there have specifically uh, there have been stories uh, where a pastor or a somebody who feels called or led to be a pastor has been told, "Hey, be a Church of God pastor, and you'll get funds from the U.S." And so there's just kind of that that mentality because we as again as some american missionaries came in with a colonial kind of mindset that again we're we have the resources the power the privilege and we're going to come in and and you know fix things without understanding it now again those were not the intentions of a lot of missionaries and christians and pastors you know they came in with with good intentions you know and and wanting to help but uh, and this uh, isn't uh, unique to church of god history sure. either yep. yeah yep um, this yeah, this is missions throughout history. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I and I think you know what we what we do kind of a, a consequence of that then is we are we are bringing in an, an American gospel. We are bringing in a gospel or a church through the eyes of what it looks like in North America, which looks very very different uh, when you are. Uh, a Ugandan or an Italian or somebody from Southeast Asia or South America, you know, God, um, you do not have to, <laughs> to worship as we do here in America. Um, it doesn't have to look the same. It doesn't have to sound or act the same. And so, you know, we, we need to, we need to be careful that we're not bringing in our cultural values and principles when we're moving and working and living in a cross-cultural context. So what that looks like in a healthy way is um, walking alongside national <laughs> leaders and pastors, walking alongside, you know, people who are, you know, walking alongside Italians as they um, as they do ministry in their communities and even, you know, within their families and their friends and, um so, you know, when, when you're able to say, you know, we have this common bond, we have this common faith, um, you know, and, and what does that, what does your expression of that faith look like? And to be able to walk alongside these, you know, other, other believers and encourage them in that and, and you know, to help, uh, you know, resource and, and not even financial resources, but, but, you know, just having that camaraderie, that connection, and to be able to say, hey, these are some of the things that I've struggled with, too. You know, these are, you know, these are so, some solutions that might work or, and, and not just us to them, but them to us, mm-hmm. you know, them to one another. And so it can be, I, th- you know, we feel like it's a, a much healthier way of doing missions. And coming in, coming in, you know, the opposite of some of the characteristics I described earlier, but you know, we want to come in in with two main postures. We want to, we want to come in with a posture of humility um, and basically saying, Hey, we are here to serve, to walk alongside. Um, You know, we want to figure things out with you, not, you know, implant these things on you or project these things on you. And then we want to come in with a posture of learning. Uh, We want to ask questions. We want to figure out, you know, what are the challenges and the barriers of a given country, you know, as it pertains to the gospel and to the local church and, and ask those questions. So coming in with, with that type, with those two postures in mind, I think um, puts us in a position of partnership and relationship uh, rather than one person uh, over another. And that that's just so awesome that you put it that way with humility and learning because what you're what you're doing sort of inherently is saying that 
you know, we're not bringing God to you. God is working, Absolutely. you know, with you. And, and so we have stuff to learn too, because the way that God's working in you is going to be different than the way he's working in me. So like you said, seeing it as this partnership, this relational uh, bond building, uh, yeah, we can learn too when we engage in missions. And I think that that's such an important mindset. And it's also one uh, that doesn't necessarily come natural uh, to most North American mm -hmm. Christ followers because, like you've been talking about, the history of missions, uh, there's a lot of baggage in a lot of ways that it's done wrong. And like you said, too, I want to point that out, that the intention can be good uh, behind missions and how they were done in the past, but that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, the same kind of value was there. Like, the intention could be good, but it could have created dependency uh, in certain ways. So that's great stuff, great stuff. I wanna ask, uh, cause this is another thing. I feel like it's great. We're sort of, you know, breaking down maybe misconceptions yeah. that many of us have. Along the way, I I know some people uh, have gotta be thinking, Europe? Why Europe? You know, Europe's a Christian, you know, it's a Christian uh, continent. What are you doing? That question, yeah. <laughs> I, I am I, so glad you oh, asked yeah. that because I was thinking, how can I, how can I bring that up? Uh, because, because we do our, again, coming from the United States, almost across the board, doesn't really matter. You know, you're in the Pacific Northwest. Um, we, we are, uh, you know, Northeast Indiana is our home. And, but across the board, when we think of doing missions, we think of going into a developing world. We think of going into, uh, countries who don't have, you know, who lack, uh, physical things such as maybe a home or a church building or clothes or food or water, um, you know, those resources, we don't think of Europe. And so, so that's a great question. Why, why Europe? Well, uh, for starters, um, missions in Europe does look a lot different and it looks different because it's, 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 Westernized, uh, you know, they have many, if not more or better of the technologies and things and resources that we do. However, uh, Europe has become increasingly secularized. Um, it has become uh, more and more post-Christian. Uh, if you look at a lot of research and statistics and including the Middle East, uh, many, I think it was Iran uh, a few months ago, there was a, a research study that showed in Iran um, atheism was on the rise. It, it was the most um, it's the fastest growing it's demographic. The, yeah. yeah, fastest growing demographic. And Christianity, I think, was behind that, but it wasn't really that close. And so, uh, you know, give pick any given country um, in the European context, and you're going to have anywhere from 0.25 to 4% of that population identifies evangelical Protestant Christians. And so wow. uh, the gospel... Um, as many of us know, it um, is not. Wow, it, it, it's it, it's it's difficult for people. Um, what what am I wanting to say? Yeah. Um, um, I know what I would say. Do you want me go to ahead. Go <laughs> ahead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, the, uh, you know, in, as Nathan mentioned, you know, between 0.25 and 4% um, of, you know, any given country, the population of any, of any given country in Europe and the Middle East would I identify as evangelical Protestant Christians. Um, many people, um, and, and, you know, it's like this in most countries throughout our region, 
um, many people would say they are part of um, whatever their state churches or government, um, you know, could be Catholicism, yeah. it could be Eastern Orthodoxy, mm-hmm. yeah. such as Russia yeah. or Bulgarian mm-hmm. or Greek. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, it definitely, you know, when you get into kind of some of the deeper data, um, you find out that um, it's definitely a nominal um, faith or association. It's almost cultural, it it seems like. Yeah. 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 Hmm. So that's predominantly what you'll find. Um, Now, that number is on the decrease as, you know, agnosticism and atheism is on the rise in throughout Europe, especially. Um, so, you know, the other issue that you have when you associate a state church, um, with, you know, a country, so, you know, again, an Orthodox church with whatever country it's in, um, you, the church is often viewed as just another governmental, governmental organization. Um, it's Hmm. not necessarily, um, you know, matched with a vibrant faith life or, or even, you know, any type of faith life. So, you find a lot of, um, you know, and I don't want to pick on any certain religion, but, or, you know, any certain <laughs> denomination, but, but, you know, if you, um, you know, say Roman Catholicism in Spain, um, the, you know, many people don't attend any type of mass. Um, sometimes they will attend once a year, but, you know, we have all these beautiful cathedrals, you know, throughout the region and really, um, you know, they're there, um, many times for people to come through and to, you know, to see as, you know, almost like it's a museum and they might have a few pews where, you know, the regular or, you know, the faithful few, um, you know, will come and attend services, but, but even, you know, practically, you know, what does it look like to live out that type of faith in your daily life? Uh, you know, it, many times it's, it, there, there is no faith life, you know, outside of that. So, um, in Europe, throughout Europe, um, we've heard over and over again from both, um, nationals and, um, missionaries, um, many times it's even taboo to talk about God, to talk about, um, faith to talk about Jesus. Um, it's just something that it's so foreign. It is. Yeah. And it's not that it's mm. like, like in terms of anti and some, in some cases it is anti, but in other cases it's just, it's such a foreign, you know, it would be like us thinking of the, you know, trying to convert somebody to, uh, put their faith in the tooth fairy or something <laughs> like that. I mean, it's that, uh, it's that yeah. type of, of idea. Or Actually, thought. we've heard that comparison, yeah, like, yeah. you know, really? sharing yeah. my faith is like trying to, you know, convince someone of the tooth that the tooth fairy is real. Yeah. 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 So, so how does, how does missions and evangelism look when it's like that then, when it seems like that, you know, everyone's aware of Jesus or Christianity or mm-hmm. God, but like you said, it's such a part of the cultural heritage that sort of seems, you know, taboo and out of, you know, out of uh, the modern world. And so it's, yeah, it's almost regarded like the tooth fairy or the Easter bunny. Yeah. What, how do missions and evangelism look then uh, in a culture and a climate like that? Yeah. So that's a great question. And, and I'll kind of start with, you know, again, Europe is basically associated, not basically in many cases in our minds here in, in the U S it's associated with these huge, beautiful cathedrals, you know, that play beautiful music and, and that sort of thing. But, but in many of these countries and cities, you know, those cathedrals do represent a God, uh, but it's this big, 
archaic, non-relevant, distant, maybe judgmental type of, of uh, uh, figure or monument or institution in their life. And so the, where the gospel, um, where the gospel is attractive and where the gospel can be shared is through, uh, relationships. Um, and that's really what it boils down to. It boils down to, again, this comes back to the, you know, as missionaries, it comes down to coming alongside of, uh, it's, it comes along, it comes down to relationships. It comes down to, um, getting into the culture, asking questions, And as you can suspect, or as you can, you know, maybe think through that, it takes a long time uh, to get to the point of trust to be able to share the gospel and to be able to talk about Jesus. But it, 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 it is that relational component that is needed. And also, um, you know, some of the things that we're also involved with with in our, um, in our region is it's also about meeting physical and tangible needs and through meeting those physical and tangible needs, whether it's with, uh, refugees in Paris who are escaping their war torn or impoverished or persecuted country in Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq, Syria, um, or maybe it's with, uh, working with, uh, the prostitutes in Germany. And uh, those ladies who have been tricked uh, into prostitution or forced into prostitution, you're helping them escape and, and get out of that reality. And, and as you're meeting and helping and, and um, you know, meeting those needs and helping them get out of that situation or helping the refugees become integrated into the French culture, uh, it's you're you're sharing your life, you're sharing your faith, you're sharing the gospel um, with them. So it's um, it, it's it's different in different contexts and different countries. And, and again, it's as missionaries, it's part of reading that culture, reading the context, reading the needs, asking questions, learning. Yeah. And I would, I would just add many times, that's not going to look like a traditional church building, you know, like we see in the United States, it's going to, you know, instead look like maybe a storefront or, you know, someone's living room, um, going along with, uh, state churches, a lot of, in, in a lot of these countries, um, churches aren't able to buy property or aren't able to, you know, erect a church building. Um, and so, you know, that kind of, uh, it, it seems like another barrier, but it just drives, um, you know, more of that relational component that, you know, in the long run, that's what disciple making is all about. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it might actually be more of a benefit. Yeah. It's like re- reframing, uh, the gospel back to what it's sort of supposed to be at its roots is it's not something institutional or tied to the state or tied to the government. No, it's a re- it's about relationships. It's about connecting, about f- fulfilling needs, uh, like you were talking about. Absolutely, uh, that's that's great. Uh, one thing that I, I want to bring up because um, already I feel like this this is great pushing us, you know, to live outside of our bubbles, outside of maybe this awareness of the world that a lot of us, you know, have a lot to learn about. Do you see the same thing uh, happening here in the United States? So I, I saw a Pew Research study from 2019 uh, that for the first time ever, 50% of a whole generation in the U.S. Uh, is not Christian. So it's less than 50%. That's the millennial generation. Uh, and, and as we look at Europe, uh, do you see the same kind of thing happening here in the U.S.? Uh, or is it different? Because like you're talking about, you know, each culture is different, each cultural uh sphere is different. Uh, what, what's your thoughts? What's your opinions on that? Yeah. And and just kind of going back to your statistics a little bit. I mean that the truth of that 
and then you add in COVID and, you know, churches are not able to gather. And so again, how many Mm -hmm. more of those who were attending church or part of a church, which, you know, the average churchgoer, it was basically, you know, attending those, uh, those who were attending were attending maybe two times a month, you know, or or sometimes even less than that and considered Mm. uh, a regular attender. Um, And so, you know, 10 years ago when I got involved in missions, uh, and specifically wanted to get our church involved in missions in Europe, it was because of the question you just posed. Um, are we as a culture uh, becoming more and more like Europe, uh, where it's, yeah. it's more secularized, it's more post-Christian, um, in some ways it's anti-Christian? Um, you know, it's, that's kind of a, a hard question to answer. You know, I think initially we, we want to say yes. And in some cases that, you know, statistics and research, you know, certainly shows that uh, there are some other nuances there, you know, that, yeah. that um, mm-hmm. you know, in Europe and a lot of these countries where you have um, there is not the freedom uh, to worship and religious freedom and, and rights and things like that, that we continued to have here in the u.s that you know may not allow us to turn completely secularized or completely you know atheistic culture however um if the u.s and if our churches continue to push the institution uh church buildings church facility you know make it about the institutional stuff versus the relational gospel uh disciple making stuff um, it very well could look more Europe than, you know, maybe what we've been used to over the last uh, few decades. Yeah, I would say, you know, North American churches um, having the ability to connect with European and, and, you know, Middle Eastern churches or, you know, other churches around the world. It definitely is going to be a mutually beneficial relationship. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, there, there's a lot that, you know, as as you mentioned, and Nathan said, you know, statistically, you know, we're kind of following in that same trajectory. Um, And, you know, just for our North American churches to, you know, be able to see, you know, what, you know, once it gets to, you know, the point that, that it is in Europe and the Middle East, you know, what are, what are they needing to do to, you know, kind of get the gospel, you know, back out there? Because it is, you know, we've talked about how you know, we, we throw around the term post-Christian, but it's almost coming to a pre-Christian um, hmm. uh, environment just because there are so many people that have not heard the gospel. So many generations. Yes, yeah, so many generations for sure. Wow. So, so anyway, you know, there, there is that, that connection. And, and, you know, in other things, historically, we've kind of followed in the, in the footsteps of, of Europe. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But again, just that that connection amongst churches, connection, you know, cross-culturally, um, I think, you know, we we definitely can, both parties can benefit. And I, and I think, too, just to add a, a little bit more to that, you know, I think, you know, we've, uh, I, so it's, uh, what, almost middle of November, early, early November. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dates are getting mixed up It seems up like November has <laughs> drug on and on I and know, on. That's, I what, know. that's what COVID yeah, does to us, no, so don't worry yeah, it, November 3rd was the election. Okay, so we're just a few days past that. It's still early November. <laughs> anyway, I was on staff at our church up until the end of July. And, you know, pretty much from March to July, as I was on staff, and I'm sure our staff is continues to do this, but y- instead of uh, looking at COVID as uh, – 
you know, uh, a barrier or a challenge that is difficult to overcome. I think the church can look at COVID as an opportunity to um, hmm. to make things uh, not necessarily right again, but but to use COVID as an opportunity to innovate, to be creative, to uh, look at the what opportunities do we have um, with COVID, and you know, part of that uh, is you know I I think again these were conversations we were having at, at our church in Northeast Indiana, you know, pre-COVID uh, Sunday morning worship service was the pinnacle. That was the thing that we looked to every Sunday. That was the thing that we put most, if not all, but most of our energy and budget and time and effort and energy into. Um, and that is important. We can't forsake the gathering and connecting and, and being together in fellowship and encouraging one another up. But is that the most important thing? Um, or is it disciple making? Is it relationships? Is it connecting with our neighbors? Is it serving and, and meeting needs and, and that sort of thing? So just, you know, having the opportunity during this time to um, be innovative, to be creative, to look for different ways to, to present the gospel. And that's that's so great because it, it, you're truly embodying, like you said, not just saying, you know, we want to emphasize humility and learning, but it's important to, and you're doing that. It seems like you're doing that. That's why I, I'm excited uh, personally to talk with you after a year, after two years to see what you're learning, you know, so that we can uh, start applying uh, what those pastors and leaders uh, in those nations are doing so we can start applying those uh, here and that interaction uh, you know, seeing this all as an opportunity, even COVID, something so mm -hmm. terrible and something that seems like so stifling uh, as an opportunity. So uh, I want to wrap us up here uh, a little bit because I know you're uh, still in training, right? Yeah. Yeah. Getting prepared yeah. to go over there. So I, I want to say again, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, but as we wrap up, I want to ask, are there any last takeaways uh, that you would have for our listeners on you know, living outside of our bubble, both conceiving of, you know, Christians and our brothers and sisters in Christ overseas, uh, you know, as partners alongside, or just any takeaways that uh, you would have for our listeners today? I think the first thing that I think of is just, you know, living life as a Christian with, with your hands open. And, you know, that's kind of um, something that, you know, we've talked about as a family, like, you know, okay, God, what, what do you have for us personally? What do you have for our family? You know, how will you have us serve? And, you know, for us, we didn't, we didn't imagine that we would, um, that, that that would take us over to, uh, Europe and the Middle East, but, but, you know, having those open hands definitely, you know, allowed us to see where God was speaking and moving in our own lives. So, so I think that's probably, you know, the biggest takeaway for me. Yeah, I, I, I echo those words. I don't know if I would add anything to that or, or not. Hey, that's, I, I think that's a, that's a great takeaway to have. Yeah, I, I think just, again, being available, whether it's as an individual, as a family, as a church, you know, a church body is, is just say, okay, Lord, what, what do you have for us in this, in this season? Don't hold on so tightly to the past or how God worked in the past or what we did in the past to connect with God. But, you know, with every, every new year, every new season, life changes, uh, things happen. And so what is God asking us to do in this season? Nothing's forever. Um, and so just 
you know, and what we, is it? What is it in this season that he has for us? And we don't always get it right. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> but again, yeah. just having that open hand and a posture of humility and saying, okay, you know, we're, we'll go forward from here. So, yeah. Yeah. And that seems like why, like what the, you know, churches are doing that, you know, it's not necessarily that we expected this demographic shift or this COVID shift, but seeing it, hey, this is an opportunity for us to get back to relationships, back to what the gospel is really about, to fulfilling needs, to helping people, loving people, and partnering alongside them. So sure. I, uh, uh, living with open hands, that's a great takeaway. Uh, last but not least, how can we, uh, as listeners today, how can we support your mission? Uh, how can we pray for you, give financially? What What are the biggest ways that we can support you? Well, um I'll just real quick, I, you know, if you want to uh, connect with us, uh, we have a family blog called our Spanglish life.com. Um, okay. I'll put the, I'll put the links to awesome. everything that you talk about right now in the description. Awesome. Yeah. So our Spanglish life you can go to our website and when you're on there for about 10 seconds or so, a box will pop up and you can add your information there and be put on our mailing list. Um, all that is, is a, a newsletter usually once a month. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, also, uh, both Stacy and I are on social media. Uh, also, threeworlds.com, uh, three spelled out dash worlds.com. Uh, you can go there and see what our missionary team and our ministry, what that looks like, and stay up to date on that. And uh, maybe you can just share a little bit about where we're at in the process and specifically how they can pray for us. Sure, yeah. So, as far as prayer requests go, um, definitely this transition transition for our family um you know COVID has thrown a wrench in everyone's plans but um but you know prayer for our transition um right now um you know we're halfway through a four-week training once we're done with this it's really just visas that we that we need to come together so um we're we would love prayer for that for our visa process and just to add I mean it's not like you know, there's a lot of moving parts <laughs> in just getting our family to a visa appointment. And yeah. so, mm -hmm. uh, we, we really do need prayers for that yeah. specifically. So, yeah. And then the transition and obviously that, you know, we would, we would be able to continue to, um, you know, prepare our hearts and our minds for, for the move. And, um, and just even, you know, as we begin to get to know, um, you know, people, the people that we want to get to know in, in Europe and the Middle East, pastors and congregation members and that sort of thing. Um, even our, our missionary team that, um, you know, that that <coughs> would go well as well. So. And your dog agrees. Yeah, see the dog right there. He's <laughs> so, yeah, to everyone listening, I'm, re I'm recording this from home. So the dog's echoing those yes, prayer requests. Right I love there. it. <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much uh, for I'll, – I'll put the link to all of those awesome. in the description. So if you're listening, go ahead and check out the description uh, for links on how to connect with the Tapmans. But once again, Nate and Stacy, thank you so much. Uh, for being on in the middle of I Know Your Packed Schedule. Uh, thank you to everyone who's listening today. Uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, we'd appreciate it if you would share it. Uh, if you would go ahead and follow, if you're on Apple Podcasts, make sure that you subscribe. Uh, and tune in next week. So next Wednesday, we're actually starting a new series called City on a Hill? Question mark. And we're going to be talking about the engagement uh, of us as Christ followers with culture. Uh, how, how does it look like? So we'll be talking about very interesting things like politics, social media, uh, movies, TV shows, how do we as Christ followers engage uh, with culture? So if you have any last questions, feel free to send them to us in an email at thecurioushopepodcast at gmail.com. 
Once again, Nate and Stacy Tapman, thank you so much. Thank yeah. you. Thanks, JD. Thank you, uh, Blue Mountain Community Church. We truly enjoy your partnership and are appreciative of what you do.